Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. You may not be aware, but I am terrified of heights. Which I have to kind of kind of uh, give you a caveat around that. Um, I don't mind solid structures, but I hate ladders, and not a fan. I'm not a fan of scaffolding. I can be all right, like on top of the Eiffel Tower, like at Kings Island or somewhere. I, Rachel and I, a couple of years ago, went to New York City on our wedding anniversary. By the way, we finally, six months later, got to enjoy the pastor appreciation gift you gave us this weekend. We got to go to a little secluded cabin, and she and I had a great time, so thanks very much for that. Um, but a couple of years ago, we went to uh, New York City, and we went up, we went up to the, the, the Empire State Building. Awesome. Went to Rockefeller Center awesome but i'm not fond of i can be on a roof but dude i hate getting off the ladder onto the roof from the roof back on the ladder oh my goodness <sighs> i hate it and i mean beyond hate it and so a few years ago i get this wise idea to go repelling anybody know what repelling is repelling is like rock climbing but backwards it's rock descending right and so there was this guy here in the church, Dow Sexton, who's now with Jesus. He was a trainer for the, the Department of Corrections. He trained SWAT. He was a sharpshooter. He was Simplify, a Marine, and he was a survivalist, and he was scary. <laughs> he knew things that would wipe me out, man. And so we take a bunch of youth kids down to Hawking Hills, and we go repelling. And Dow was smart. He knew how to build your courage. He would start you like on a 10-foot cliff, build up to like a 20, 25-foot, and then hit a, hit, a, hit a larger one. And so I, I got through like the, the 10, the 15, the 20. I was good. We go up to the 60-foot cliff. And it's not just a 60-foot cliff. It's a 60-foot cliff with 5 foot of face and 55 foot of nothing. So which means you climb down 5 feet, and then it cuts back, and then it's just you, the air, and your rope. So I walk out to the edge that first time. It's kind of like this. I can't explain to you. You got to walk out to the edge. You got your rope on. You're holding on right here. And I, I went like, I, I edged on back. And I went, no, 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 no. What am I doing here? Dallas, just ease on out back, Aaron. Back out. Back. So I ease back out. No, can't do that. Nope, 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 nope. What am I thinking? I love it. I looked at him in the face. I went, Dow, what am I thinking? Why am I up here? This is a perfectly good, solid piece of ground. Why do I want to go off of it? He goes, Aaron, go back out there. I said, okay. I reached out back on. I can't do it. He goes, he looked at me, and that, like I said, Dow was scared. He goes, Aaron, walk out there. Don't look down. Sit down and go. And I went, I was more scared of Dow than I was gravity at that point. And so I was like, and boy, I got down that first five foot of face and came down that thing. And buddy, my courage was enlarged, man. I got to the bottom. I ran back up. I said, let's do that all over again. And I did it again, came down. I come running back up and Dow said, let me show you. Let me, let's show the kids how we perform a rescue. And I'm like, sweet. How do we perform a rescue? He said, well, you go down there, and then I act like, we act like you got stuck, and I have to get you on my harness to get you the rest of the way down. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I can do that. And so I get down. I go down that third time, right? 
Boom, ease down, and something happened. My leg slips, and I end up completely inverted. Feet up here, head down here, and harness wrapped up in the fat part of my thigh. <laughs> and Dow comes down to get me, and he's like, I want to rescue you. He said, no, I want to get down. I want down right now. There'll be no rescuing this guy. As soon as I get up, right, I'm down on the ground, man. I am done. And I found that I had courage at certain times. At physical, could be. We, go, we went out several times. You know what I found? In the, lull, in, in the lull between the good time of being there and the time of just living life, everything else that goes on and brain gets to thinking, I had lost courage. One time I went with a group of men, and we did a 60-foot cliff, and I was great. We went up to the 120-foot. And I was like, all right, sweet, I can do, I can do this. And me and my daughter thought we'd do it together. And I go, No. Back up again. I can do this. I can do No. Finally, after the edge, the guys go, dude, you're going to follow your daughter down? Now look, and she's halfway down already. I'm like, well, I'm down. Let's go. Because here's what happens. We learn certain things by following Jesus, and at times it takes courage for us to follow him. And he's, he's smart enough, wise enough like Dow to walk us through the paces. He didn't give us a big jump right off the bat. He, he goes a, ten, a little 10-footer, and he says, keep, I'll show you, I'm with you, keep walking. And you go, dude, cool. And you go to 20, and he's like, yeah, I got this. And you go like 25, you're like, yes. And you get to 60, you're like, whoa. And he goes, no, I'm still here. He's like Dow, like, will I let you fall? I got you. We're going to walk this out. And then once I've walked through that, then I, I back away, right? And life keeps happening. Then the next time we walk out, I find I'm, I'm scared again. Courage has, has left. Things, things have, have, have evaporated. See, we're all like that. We're, we're, we're all at the point where we, we, we have a hard time uh, with courage. We find it over the course of time being depleted from us. We, we, we've walked through things with Jesus before, and suddenly we find, dude, I don't have it today. And we find, we find that we're told to be strong and we're told to be courageous. And we find ourselves with the current, without courage. And we realize things in life work hard to drain it from us. Am I right? You've been through things before. And at the end of it, you're like, man, God is awesome. Jesus is great. We can tackle anything. And then like three days later, you're like, oh, crud. What am I doing here? And, and, and we find, here's what I want to tell you this morning, resurrected courage rises in resurrected living in spite of three things, living, suffering, and dying. Those are the three things that will take courage from you. The roteness of everyday life, certain kinds of opposition, and staring death in the face will just try and jerk it out of you. And we have to realize something, that we're walking with the one who's the author of life. And he's the conqueror of death. And he takes care of everything in between. He's who we walk with. John 5, these are the, like the, the word, we've been talking about, res, uh, talking about resurrected living over the last uh, few days. Talking about God resurrecting things out of the ground for us. John 5, 24, 25 has been our verses we've, we've, we've concentrated on. I tell you the truth, he says, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Believe my message and the one who sent me, they have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins 
Now check this one. There's always a but right there. B-U-T. But they have already passed from death into life. Death is already conquered in their lives because they believe my message. And here's how we can have hope and confidence. is because God has already alleviated the condemnation of our sins that would cause us to live in death. We talked several weeks ago. Man, my, we talked about resurrected living. I'm going to tell you something. When I, when I had the idea to put this message series together, I had no idea what was going to transpire. And I have to say this. Every week, whatever topic I'm talking about has been, been hammered on in my life. First week out to shoot, talk about resurrected living, and things came at us from every direction that would, 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 would want to snarl in the face of that. Resurrected thinking the next week, and, and again, things just pile on. And then last week was Easter Sunday, and, and in case you don't know everybody, my father-in-law, Rick, who was up with me a minute ago, um, helped, helped facilitate my wife, Rachel, told this great story about Mary Magdalene being at the tomb. It was awesome. And we had heard stories of people who had who Jesus resurrected hope in their lives. It was awesome. We had a good time. And I got to, I got to just be a part of you guys for a change, because we believe something. Every believer can minister. Doesn't have to be me all the time. Doesn't have to be somebody who's eloquent. Doesn't have to be somebody who's got all the gifts and the talents. Should be, always has been, the body of Christ itself ministering and carrying the gospel with them. But we have to have courage. And the way we have confidence is knowing that we're right with the Father. That's why those lines are important. You've already passed from death to life. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The thing, one of the things that will, will zap courage from us is the fact that we don't have confidence with the Father. And the way we have confidence with the Father is knowing what Jesus did for us. That he died for our sin. He loved us so deeply. He courageously marched and marched up to a hill for us and suffered greatly. Why? Because of what Nancy described, that great love. And now today, there is no condemnation for us if we are in Christ Jesus. Dude, that's beautiful. The reason I can be courageous is because I'm not, I'm not walking in my own merits. I'm walking in the merit of him. I'm walking because he's good. Here's something you need to know. The dirt of normal living and the pit of pressure wants to bury your courage. Normal living will bury your courage. Just living day to day for yourself, making sure bills are paid, keeping the schedule. That will begin to, and you won't even realize it. Subtly, it's like a dripping, like a drip, like, 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 like a leak in, in, in a vessel. It's, it, it's, a, it's a hairline fracture. You don't even notice. And one day you wake up and the vessel's empty and you didn't even know it was gone just because it's normal. And then one day, some days, the pressure gets on you. Watch out, I'm walking around now. I might get sideways. Pressure gets on you. And it's like it, it hits on the side of the vessel and the crack gets bigger. And one day you're okay, the next day you're not. And wants to bury the courage you should have in the person of Christ. Wants to, wants to bury it. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14 read like this. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Those are commands in case you're wondering. So can I, can I encourage you along these lines? To not do them as sin. To not be on guard is a sin. That's to miss the mark. We talked about that back in week one. You should go back and listen to the messages. Be on guard. To miss what God has aimed us at is, is, to, is, to, is to be in sin. To be on guard. To stand firm in faith. To not stand firm in faith is sin. To, be, to, not, be on, uh, to not be courageous 
is sin. To not be strong. It's sin because it's a command. He's not saying if you, want, if you feel like it, you've got options here. He's saying do it. Right? Are you hearing me? Now here's the thing. The reason he has to tell us those kinds of things is because there are threats around us continually. Constantly, there is pressure. Constantly, the roteness of normal living will want to take those things from us. Our vigilance, our hope in Christ, our boldness for the proclamation of the gospel, they, they, they will suck it right out of us. And unfortunately, God is really good because he gives us the scriptures to tell us how to navigate these things. And over and over again in this thing, there are stories of people who have been what, where we are. And so really quickly, I'm not going to go verse by verse, I'm going to go chapter by chapter, I'm going to tell you the story of a guy in here who understood what it was like to be courageous, but he also knew what it was like to have courage drained out of him. His name's Peter. If you don't know Peter very well, he's one of the first disciples that Jesus calls to himself. And he's called to Jesus, he's introduced to this by a guy named Andrew who was bold enough, courageous enough to share the life of Jesus with his brother. Then a little bit later, Jesus and him meet on a, on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a shoreline. Peter and Andrew are in one boat. James and John, our other disciples that Jesus calls to himself, are out on the boat. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught a thing. They're wore out. They are tired. They're experienced fishermen. They know better. And Jesus kind of hollers to them from the shore. He goes, hey, y'all caught anything? And he says, why don't you try casting on the other side? And I think Peter and Andrew kind of went, Okay. And they sling the net over to the other side. They start to jerk in the fish. And it's such a big deal. The nets start to break. The boats start to sink. And Peter fears for his life. He comes running. He lays the fish. He's like, you get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't know what's going on around here. And he begins his journey with Jesus. And he over and over again exhibits the ability to be courageous. I mean, at one point in Mark 4, these experienced fishermen are in such a storm in the middle of a trajectory where Jesus says, listen, we're going to the other side. He didn't, Jesus doesn't make promises he don't intend to keep. And he said, we're going to the other side. And in the middle of getting there, a storm blows up. And Jesus is so confident that God's, that God's steps are ordered of his, he just goes to sleep in the bottom of the boat. And Peter's, they, they all, they're all freaking out. And they're like, Peter, God, Peter goes, hey, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. He's like, oh, come on. He gets up. You little faith people, watch this. Peace be still. Still. A few days later, few, I don't know how many days later, sometime later, they've been ministering all day to people. He, 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 he tells them, you go back to the other side. Gave them that commission again. I'm staying back to pray. And whether, whether, whether they're transversing the Sea of Galilee, another storm blows up. Again, these experienced seamen, these fishermen, freak out at such a bad storm. And Jesus is like, hey, my boys need me. And he didn't have a boat or anything. He just starts walking. And they weird out like, there's a ghost out there. And Peter's like, I think that's Jesus. And he was courageous enough to go, hey, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there. And Peter, Jesus goes, well, come on. And it wasn't a, 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 a flat, peaceful, serene lake. It was a raging storm with hurricane-type stuff on it. And Peter goes, and steps out on that thing, pulls the other leg over, starts walking. He knows what it's like to be courageous. 
I mean, he's the one when Jesus is talking to his guys in Matthew 16 up on the mountainside, and they're all saying, he's like, he's asking a bunch of questions. So who do people say that I am? And he goes, Jesus, but who do you say? And Peter's the first one to stand up, sticks his hand in the air and goes, you are the Christ. You're the son of God. And, he, and Peter, Jesus is like, Peter, that is awesome. Yes, my father in heaven revealed that to you. You get it. Peter's the one. In the Last Supper, when everybody else is freaking out, Peter goes, listen. He stands and goes, I will never deny you. I will die for you, Jesus. He knew what it was like to be courageous. In the garden, he's the one, Peter, he, he, he's courageous enough to fall asleep in the middle of it. Maybe he learned something on the, on the Sea of Galilee. I don't know. He kind of missed the point, I think, because Jesus like, go pray. And you're like, no, I want to sleep now. And he's kind of, always kind of missing the point, right? But when the, when, the, when the soldiers show up to get Jesus and Judas the betrayer shows up, Peter's the one guy who wanted to grab the sword and do something about it, man. He, hop, he hacks off the temple guard's ear. His guy's name is Malchus. And Jesus looks at him like, oh, come on, Peter. At least he was courageous. Lee, at least he understands what it's like. But he also knows the flip side of that coin. He knows, he knows what it's like to be courageous. He knows what it's like to have courage drained from you. He, he tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4 these words. Don't, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Listen, the things that are, you're going on right now, you, this is not unique. You are not alone. You're a part of the human condition. You're a, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're a part of the army of God. You didn't just sign up to become a part of a church. You came to be a part of a movement that has, that has certain distinct lines attached to it. There is good and there is evil. There is darkness and there is light. And when you sign up for this, it doesn't mean life gets... I think some of us think because we've come to Christ, everything is going to work out. We're in battle, man. The Bible calls this spiritual warfare. Stop thinking that you should be, you're a Burger King and you get stuff your way. Because you don't. All hell is fighting against you, against your life, against the eternity God wants to create through you and in you. All, all, all of the world, all of your flesh, everything is fighting. This is not easy. It's not meant to be. And Peter, this guy who understands what it's like to be courageous, goes, dude, don't think it's strange when bad things go on. Don't think it's strange when storms brew up. Don't think it's strange when, you, when you're left with questions you're trying to answer. Don't think it's strange when, 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 when bad diagnoses happen. Don't think it's strange when your family's in disarray. Don't think it's strange when financial stuff happens. Don't think it's strange when, when, when you and your friends are out of each other. He watched Judas betray his best friend, and he's like, dude, what the heck is that about? And he probably maybe used a little stronger language than that because we know of one time it says Peter cursed. He understands it. This guy's not writing these words as some theological, philosophical dude who's got ideas about how life ought to be. He's writing these words as a guy who lived them. Because what happens after all those miraculous, courageous things, almost this weird dichotomy happens. Almost every time something like where he stepped out and courage happened, he got hit sideways. Almost every time. Like when he's walking on the water... He's out there with Jesus on the water. He's walking. And then all of a sudden he goes, dude, I'm walking on the water. And I don't know whether this big wind blew up or there was some big lightning strike and clap of thunder. All of a sudden he's like, dude, I'm walking on the water. And he starts to sink. And he has to reach towards Jesus and his courage is being drained. 
the moment he, he offers to Christ the confession that you are the Christ, the Son of God, almost immediately Jesus has to rebuke him because he doesn't have the heart and the mind of God, almost in the same paragraph. The moment he chooses to say, I, would, I won't deny you, I'll die for you. Jesus has to offer him words, I think, set him off kilter right off the bat. He goes, Peter, listen, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. He says, I prayed for you, but when you're converted, you know what Jesus is telling him? You're going to fall flat on your, flat on your face, Peter. It's going to happen. There'll be such great pressure, you're falling flat on your face. He says, check this out, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the sun rises tomorrow. You're going to hear a cock crow, and you're going to go, whoop. And I think all that, they're going to go, Sometimes God tells you things, and you go, oh, really? Wait a minute. Jesus, you said you were, you were for us. You're, what are you saying? Some of us in prayer have gotten the heads up that bad things might be coming, and we start going, whoa, 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 wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What? What, 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 what is that? What, 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 what? what are you talking about? In that moment, even though it's the voice of Jesus speaking, courage starts to go and be sucked out of us. Do you like my sound effects? I don't know how those sound on the audio, but they are what they are. He, he, he not only he, he, he wakes up one morning and he has denied Jesus. He hears the cock crow three times, the third time. He was, lost such courage that even a little servant girl intimidated him. This guy who, who lopped off the ear of the temple guard suddenly is shy and bashful and backward in front of a servant girl to the point that he cusses, completely deviates. Courage is gone. And then the one who said he would never leave Jesus flees and runs away. Gone. You know what he does? He goes back to fishing which is the epitome of lack of courage. Because the day Jesus told him to cast the net on the other side, Jesus looked at him and Peter, looked at Peter and Andrew, James and John, he goes, listen, you guys have been fishing for fish, no more. No more. Today, today, today everything changes. From now on, you fish for men. And Peter lost his courage to the degree he goes back to what used to be normal. And like many of us, when we lose courage, we go back to what's normal. Whatever normal used to be for us, whatever substances we used to rely on to get us through a day, whatever things, whatever people, whatever lifestyle, whatever way of thinking, whatever, whatever, whatever used to be normal, we go back to even though we know Jesus called us out of that. He's not, we're not any, this is a common story for us, right? Our enemy works overtime. He works overtime to wear us out. Our flesh works overtime to wear us out. The systems of the world work overtime to wear us out and drain our courage from us. But for us, resurrected courage rises in resurrected living in spite of living, in spite of suffering, in spite of dying. Or we're not living resurrectedly. The promise is those who will Christ, their courage rises even though at times it's drained from them. Here's what gives us hope. Jesus resurrected himself. Jesus resurrected himself. I think I should say that one more time. Jesus resurrected himself. 
Why? To resurrect our courage and give us the ability to overcome. I made certain promise to you, people, he says. And to prove that I can come through on it, I'm getting myself up out of the grave. Your greatest enemy, I'm going to conquer. I'm going to kill it. We sang a song here a few Easter's, Easter's ago where it said, he led death in his grave. And the reason it's important for us to recognize we have no condemnation because our access to the Father most of the time, oftentimes, is through the doorway of death. And at that moment, we have to know we're right with God. We have to know that, that he and I are on the same page. And the only way he and I are on the same page is because Jesus lived, Jesus died, and he resurrected himself. And he made promises he would make a home for us and then come get us. Man. And he made good on it. He made good on it. He came out of that tomb. Peter and his guys didn't think it was true. They walked with Jesus. They knew Jesus. And they still had a hard time getting their mind around it. My wife told the story last week of Mary Magdalene. And she runs out there and the tomb's empty. And she's so blinded that she can't understand. Jesus already said he'd do that. And she weeps and she cries. She runs back to get the guys. You gotta come see it. The tomb. I don't know where they put Jesus' body. They did something. And she's weirding out. Colossians 2 13 reads like this You were dead. It's important for you to understand something. You've already conquered death if you've come to Christ. And if that's the, 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 the most heinous enemy that you have, he's already defeated. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record, record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, listen to these words, in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. The things that would drain our courage, they are already disarmed. The teeth of the lion have been pulled. The Bible says your enemy roams about like a roaring lion seeking to devour somebody. The problem is he doesn't realize that his teeth are missing. Jesus kicked him out when he knocked the tomb open. Do you understand that? He can roar, and he can be crazy acting, and he can get his slander up and the whole nine yards, but he is disabled from harming you if you're in Christ. The worst thing he can do is kill you, and guess what? You end up where you're supposed to be in the first place, to be absent the body, to be present with the Lord. That ought to give you great courage. That's the worst that can happen to us. And Jesus said, don't, don't fear him who can kill the body. Fear him who can kill the body and, and separate and cast the soul into hell. Fear him only. Who is that? That's God our Father. And if the blood of Jesus is on our lives, he won't do that. That's beautiful. What condemnation are you under? What normal living is putting pressure on you? What opposition is on top of you? Some of you recently have stared death right in the face and you found out something. Death can't take joy. Death can't take peace. Death can't take hope. Death can't take life. Death can't take the Holy Spirit. Death can't do it. Brandy, I'm so proud of your husband. Can I say that? Do you mind me saying that? I want to say something. That dude stared death in the face. And in the face of death, he said, preach the gospel. He said, preach the gospel. He wasn't going to back up. He wasn't going back down. I, I, I'm not one. I don't boast about how I preach. If you ask me for church how, how to message I'll go, yeah, I don't know. I'll do that. I want to tell you something. Monday night, I probably preached the best 
funeral message I have ever preached in my entire life. I got to say something. It wasn't me. I promise. There was a guy who lived courageously for Jesus, who prepared the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit was hovering, and I just got to be in the right place at the right time. It really had nothing to do with me, man. I'm just telling you right now, it was one of the most glorious moments of my entire life. I'm not sure what happened. I don't know whose heart drives, but I'm telling you, there was something major special, and it was in the face of death. It was. Brenda Holman, Weatherhead, I don't know. Listen, I started thinking about you the other day. Can I say something? You've stared some serious suffering in the face. And I know it hadn't been easy, but you know what? You've stared it in the face and you kept walking with Jesus. Can I say something to you? You are a hero of mine. You better keep, you better keep walking. You better keep walking. I mean it. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because in that suffering is where God gets the most glory. In the middle of that opposition, and that's right now, same to you, lady. You are hiding behind Brenda's head. Don't you do that to me. I mean it. Surely, I look around here, man. Sandra and Chris, I look around this place. I see people who the God's gotten glory for their life because they endured through ugly, heinous, awful things. And God was still good and hope still rose and peace was available and joy was distributed. And I'm going to tell you this right now. You just keep walking. You just keep walking. Because God is that good. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? Who knows? Let me tell you this story. Peter's lost his courage. He goes to the tomb. He sees it's empty. He sees the grave clothesline. And you know what the next scene we find him doing? He's hiding. He's hiding. Him and his dudes gather together. They lock the doors, shut the windows, light one single candle for hope so they can see each other, but they don't want anybody to find them. And they're sitting in there in John 20, after verse 19, and they're scared out of their minds. And guess what Jesus does? He just shows up. He doesn't knock. He doesn't open the window. They're just sitting there together, sulking and being sad about the predicament they're in. He's like, I'm here. He just shows up. He goes, dude, check this out. See that? That's for you. See that? That's for you. Riffs up the shirt. Look right there. Look right there. Remember that tomb? It was empty. You know why it's empty? Because I'm not in it. He looks at him. He goes, peace be with you. And he goes, listen, I'm going to breathe on you. I want you to receive something. It's called the Holy Spirit. He's going to encourage you to keep walking. And you think, you think that would be enough. Matter of fact, their dude Thomas is missing. He's so scared to death, he won't even congregate with the rest of them. They go find him one day, they're like, Jesus is alive. But he's like, I won't believe it. Not going to believe it. Well, that man's got to show me his hands, got to show me his side. Then I'll believe it. Next time they get together a week later, guess what? Same identical situation. They're locked behind doors, windows shut, things are going on, and guess what? Hey, Thomas. He goes, my Lord and my God. And he says these words. Blessed are you, Thomas, because you've seen and you believe. But more blessed are those who don't see and yet believe anyway. Talking about all of us. Talking about all of us. Talk, talk about you. Talk about me. We've not seen the scar prints. We've not seen the side. We, didn't, we can't walk to the tomb. But something in us tells us that is right. There's something going on. 
Thomas would gain such courage. You know what Thomas would do? He'd be one of the first guys to, to, to transverse the Indian Ocean on a boat. When the, when the maps weren't quite right, he ends up in India. And he ends up dying for the faith. He's pierced through many times by spears and would not recant that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. Does that tell you it's for real or what? Today, there's still a sect of Christians in India who trace their line clear back to, Pete, to Thomas in the first century Amen. before the rest of the gospel people could get there. That's crazy. Am I right? Well, you think that'd be enough, right? But it's not because that's John 20. John 21 John 21, guess where Peter and his dudes are? They're back on the doggone fishing boat. They've seen Jesus. They've seen the scars in his hands. They've seen the scars in his side. They've had conversations with him. That's what I'm telling you. The regaining of your courage is a process. And Jesus will not leave you high and dry. Just like the draining of it is kind of slow at times, the rebuilding of it kind of happens stages at a time. And if you think, well, God, you know, you're crying right now. You know, you know, God did say that one. You know, I, yeah, like last week, you know, I, I woke up that morning and the devotion really spoke to me, but I'm just still not quite there yet. That's okay. Maybe somebody walked up to you recently this week and said, hey, I'm praying for you. And that was kind of a good shot, but you just haven't quite got over the hump yet. It's cool because Jesus is still around. He ain't going no place. And he knew it was going to take a little more for those guys. And so they're out there fishing. All of a sudden, they hear a voice from the shore. Check this out. Hey, dude, you caught anything? They look at each other and go, nope. Why don't you all try to cast that on the other side? I got to think how I went. No way. No way. Scratch your head a little bit. Looked at each other and went like they did the last time. Like, well, is it going to hurt? Throw the net back on the other side. Same deal, man. Start to pull that thing in. There's so many fish in there. It starts to break the nets. They can't believe it. And Peter goes, oh. He strips almost till he's naked. He dives off the ship, swims to shore, and is like, Jesus. And there he finds Jesus grilling fish for breakfast. They get to embrace and have a moment together. And Jesus goes, hey, Peter, do you still love me? Yeah, Jesus, you know I do. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, I do. Do you really love me? Yeah. And just like he denied him three times, Jesus gave him the chance to, to, to come back to the love angle of loving you with all his heart. He goes, you know what? I still got a mission for you. Go, get, go, go feed my sheep. And then he offers words to Peter that were much like the words he spoke in the upper room that night before he was betrayed. He said, Peter, trust me on this, bro. You're going to be led someplace you don't want to go. You're going to die away. You don't want to die. But trust me, I'm with you. Whereas the first time those words began, began to drain the life out of Peter, suddenly those words began to pour life into Peter. Why? Because he knew Jesus was enough. Jesus was, Jesus was enough to come walk into the seashore with them. Jesus was enough to come, to come near them. He cared enough to make himself known to them. And get, check this out. Peter, Peter would write on. See, cur courage resurrects. Courage is resurrected and, resu and Hang on. Courage resurrected restores life to our living. Courage resurrected restores life to our living. See, Peter... James, John, all those guys, Thomas, they were still alive, but they weren't living. 
They were breathing. They were eating. They were probably doing everything else that constitutes life. Sleeping, maybe. Maybe not. Sometimes when your courage is drained, you don't sleep well. And Peter writes on in 1 Peter 4 these words after that. He talked about being, you know, don't think it's strange when you go through different things. Instead, be very glad. That seems like odd statements, doesn't it? For these trials make you partners with Christ in suffering, so you have, will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Remember, he got breathed on by, the Holy, by Jesus, the seed of the Holy Spirit. But it's no shame, verse 16, to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. If we were to honor God in the middle of our suffering and allow just the fact that we're called by his name be enough, we would, we, we would get through things a lot differently, and the glory of God would be upon us. Instead of complaining, instead of being frustrated, instead of talking about what we don't have, and all those other things. If we just go, you know what? Jesus suffered. He made it. Peter suffered. He made it. Paul suffered. He made it. I'm going to make it too. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. And trust your lives with the God who created you. Listen to these words. For he will never fail you. And that doesn't mean you get life the way you want it. Don't, miss, don't filter that through a Western 21st century American idea, philosophy, theology of life. Are you hearing me? 2 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10, Paul would write these words. In fact, we expected to die. See, Paul didn't have this false faith idea. He could just quote it, blab it, grab it, that kind of thing and get through. His expectation was, I'm going to die. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely on God. And then he puts this phrase on there, comma, who raises the dead? So if I do die, what happens? I'm like Lazarus. I'm coming up out of that thing, man. Right? Who raised the worst thing had to be is I would die. And, the, and he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And this is the same guy who gets to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he goes, I have run my race. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And he knew his rescue was coming this time. At the end of a sword. God didn't fail him. God did rescue him. Because you know what God rescued him from? God rescued him from this life of temporary and ushered him into the life of the eternal, albeit by the use of a sword. The rescue still happened. Are you hearing me? So we got to get this idea around like the mean rescued means everything works out the way I want it to. No, 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 no. What it means is God gets glory for your life and you end up standing in front of the Father clean and pure because Jesus died for your sins and he gives you life beyond the scope of this one. That's the rescue. That's the point. Are you hearing me? Resurrected courage rises in resurrected living in spite of living, the normalcy of it, suffering, the opposition to everything we think we, we need and have and, and want and the glory of God, and in, fa in the face of dying, our greatest enemy, Paul would write words in 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your sting? O grave, something like that. I'm missing it. My brain's running like 5,000 miles an hour. 
Somebody help me. Huh? Where's your victory? Thank you. Welcome home, by the way, all right? Prompt me anytime you want, all right? God probably sent you back today so I could have those words. Awesome. Sally and Jerry. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 2.2. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God, listen to these words, yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly. Listen to the next words. In spite of great opposition. Right now, name your opposition. Right now, in your mind, name it. Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Is it frustration? Is it ridicule? Is it insult? Is it just stress and pressure? Is it cancer? Is it relational discord? Is it, what, just name it. Just whatever it is, name it right now. Because God wants to resurrect your courage in the middle of that opposition. Not some other opposition. The one you're in right now. The weariness of life. What we don't understand is the greatest opportunity for God to show himself strong in his people is not when things are going well. It is when things are not going so well that God gets the greatest glory. Because it proves to people that he's good regardless. And there must be something about those people because they keep going. I have never seen such peace. I have never seen such joy. I have never seen such hope. I have never seen such love. And the things that ought to take, drain all that out of them just keeps fueling the fire. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, listen, you're going to go through a bunch of crazy stuff, but check this out. The love you have between one another is the thing that will prove to the world out there that you are mine. And he promised all of them, things are not going to go well. John 15, he tells them by this, the men will know you're my disciples because you love one another. And he goes, check this out, John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. It's coming. Not if, when. But be of good cheer. I have already overcome. And that was before he died. And that was before he resurrected. I've already got this, he told them. Because why? He's the Alpha and the Omega. He knows tomorrow like we know yesterday. And he's got this. So think about the greatest opposition that you have. Throughout church history, the church has always strived in, in, in time and the eras of greatest opposition. Under the reign of Nero, during the, 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 the communist thing in China, it grew like crazy. The more Muslims trying to squelch it, the more it flames up and all that Middle East and they can't get rid of it. No matter how much pressure they put, no matter how many things they apply, it just and so don't run away from the opposition. Don't, don't cower down in fear. Realize that your one enemy has already been conquered. Jesus has got this. And he's got you. Have you named your friction? Have you named your opposition? Have you named the place? I mean, right now. Have you got, have you got the name of the place where courage is being drained from you right now? How many of y'all got it? If you got one, throw it up there. Just throw it up there real high. All right. I mean, you got one, right? You, you feel like fear, you know, is whooping your butt, right? Let me say something, one last thing, application-wise. Jesus showed up in the middle of their small group. Can I say that? They were weirding out. 
they realized they only had some, a few friends who really knew what they were dealing with. And they congregated together, and Jesus showed up in the middle of that thing, right? Do yourself a favor. Make sure you get in a small group. Make sure you get around a group of people who get where you are, who can pray with you, who can run with you, who can love you, who can pray beside you, who can mentor you, who can help you grow. Make sure you do that. If you're doing anything else this week, get in that cluster of people. We can hook you up with that if you want. If you got one, stay in it. Don't run and hide. Thomas missed it because he wasn't at the small group that night. Are you with me? So go. Be the people of God. Walk in courage. Be very strong and very courageous like Joshua says, okay? Love you guys. Be careful. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.